Good afternoon and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to live from your true self through all of life's twists and turns. And you'll be challenged to lean into the mysteries of life to find your own deepest wisdom. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know what the old song said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love, not just for some, but for everyone. It's love. And you know what? At the same time, love is already all there is. So we're going to talk about that paradox today. The world needs love, and yet love is all there is. Are you looking for a relationship? The answer is love. Do you have family problems? It's love. War? It's love. Politics? It's love. Love is the answer, and love is all there is. Where do we find it? What is it? And that's the big question. How do we implement it? Might not be all that you think it is. Stay right here. You don't want to miss this discussion. So the old song is right. The world definitely needs lots and lots and lots of love. Uh, We've just come out of a time the past four years when every bit of love that looks like love, that talks like love, that acts like love, was sucked right out of the atmosphere so that there was no room. And there's still arguments going on even today uh, about what love is, how to be uh, responsible for the citizenry of America. Is it that that we do help all of our citizens or do we limit it? Do we say, you know, uh, we're going to make sure that people that, uh, you know, only earn $50,000 a year, get a relief package, but the people that earn $60,000 a year or fifty-one dollars or $52,000 a year don't get a relief package. Um, and what are those people like? You know, $50,000 a year for, a, for a, a, a single parent raising four children or three children or two children? It's not a lot of money. But the thought is that we need to limit it. We need to make sure that we save our money because money is more important than love. But love means that we, we take care of our citizenry. We take care of the people that, that live here. And we, we honor their needs. We honor their truth. So we're not real sure what love is because all those people who would say, no, we need to limit it, those same people would say they understand love. They have a, a wife they love and the kids they love and children they love, um, grandchildren they love. And, and um, so they understand love. Uh, But we're going to talk about what love really is today. We're going to get a clue about what love really looks like. Because there's a lot of people out there saying they love people. Mothers are saying they love their daughters when really they want to control their daughters. Mothers and sons, same thing. Um, Fathers and sons, same thing. You you know, we uh, have spouses who say, They love their wives or they love their husbands, and yet, really, they're just trying to control them, or they just are really codependent with them, or they're really just very dependent on them. Uh, We get love mixed up with all kinds of things that aren't really love. But here, right around the corner from Valentine's Day, we need to be talking about what love really is. So that's what we're going to do today. So let's talk for a minute about what love is for just a minute. There's a great definition of love. Um, and I think it's used worldwide, even from different religions. Um, 
but it's in the Christian Bible, in the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all of my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. And then it goes on to say love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, it does not brag, it's not arrogant, it's not unbecoming. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked easily. doesn't take into account a wrong suffered. does not rejoice in, in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. So, you know, our definition of love is sometimes very skewed along the lines of how we've been raised. And we, we think things are love that aren't love. We tolerate things in our relationships that really don't have anything to do with rejoicing in the truth. Um, so let's, let's start with relationship. Since that's what Valentine's Day is all about, let's start with relationship. Um, what's the pattern in your life? Who, who do you get attracted to? Um, some people say that people have a type. Is it brunettes or is it muscle men or is it, you know, uh, men with money or women with uh, authority or what is it? Is there a type? Generally, the type comes from something they do for a living or something they look like, their image. But there's also another pattern that runs deeper than that, and it's very often related to how we were raised. We're very often attracted to people who uh, remind us of old, unresolved issues from our childhood. So, So that we begin to understand that um, our truth is is that you know we've been attracted to the childhood issue over and over and over again. People come to see me in my practice and they say, "Why do I keep being attracted to alcoholics?" You know, they've been attracted to one alcoholic after another, and they always say, "Well, they they didn't look like an alcoholic when I first met them, so I don't think it's the alcoholism I'm attracted to." But yet, I keep getting attracted to these alcoholics, and then it turns out that dad or mom was an alcoholic, and there's a lot of unresolved issues there about the alcoholism. And generally, the biggest, baddest, most awful unresolved issue is that the child of the alcoholic took on responsibility for the adult's alcoholism. The child said, it's my fault daddy uses. It's my fault. If I could just change and be a better person, my dad would stop using. Or if I could get my da- talk to my dad and love him more or t- try harder to teach him or, you know, whatever, I would, I would, he would stop drinking and everything would be okay. It's really my fault. And they don't know that, so they keep getting attracted to the same issues so that they can walk through that same material so that they can wake up to, oh, my God, this is really not my problem. This was dad's problem, not my problem, and it has nothing to do with me. And very often that has to do with the sense that I'm not worthy. Dad doesn't really love me. He loves his alcohol more than me. Therefore, I have to get him to change so that he'll love me. So that gets all entangled in our relationship thinking and we start saying, we start getting involved with men. Um, I'm referring to this as a woman-man thing. It's a heterosexual thing, but it could be 
gay, lesbian, what it doesn't matter who the person is or what who, what sex or gender the person has. It mean it only means that you've still got unresolved issues and you're still trying to work them out. So, uh, you, what you're saying, what you're doing here is being attracted to someone who's going to act just like dear old dad, who you can work out these same issues with and finally come to understand that dad didn't love you because dad was an alcoholic and it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with you or your worth. It had to do with the fact that he had a disease that preoccupied his every living moment. And that was more important to him than anything else. He woke up in the morning thinking about alcohol. He went to bed at night thinking about alcohol. And he thought about alcohol during the day. And that was his main agenda. How can I get some more alcohol? And if it's not alcohol, it's substances, cocaine, methamphetamines, you name it. It's some, some, some kind of substance. So the, uh, we have to figure out who we are in relation to those old patterns and separate ourselves from them through some kind of differentiation. And then we can integrate with who we really are um, and, and, and take care of ourselves in a more loving way. So uh, if it's really true that uh, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels and do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, is it possible for me to have that speak with the tongue of men and angels and not have love? Of course it is. We see uh, false leadership, false prophets, I call them. Jesus called them hypocrites and vipers uh, all over the country today. All over our country today, we have false prophets who are very charismatic and are leading their, their followers. Uh, and followers are following them with great admiration. And yet they're lying to them and they're telling them falsehoods and they're misleading them with the tongue of men and angels. And that's not love. Doesn't look like love, doesn't act like love. It's not love. It doesn't rejoice in the truth. It rejoices in a lie. And so it's not love. The other one is if I have the gift of prophecy and I know mysteries of all, and all knowledge and I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but it doesn't have love in it, then it means I am nothing. It didn't say it is nothing. It said I am nothing. I have identified as a prophet, and I know all the mysteries, uh, and I have all knowledge. Or if I have all faith so I can remove mountains, gosh, I wish I had that kind of faith. Don't you Don't you wish you could just remove the mountains from your life anytime you wanted to? If we had that kind of faith and yet it didn't come from love, it means I, ha- I have identified with something that isn't true to who I am, and that, not, that identity is nothing. It's nothing. And the other one, and this is the big deal. If I give my body to be burned, if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. And the question we would ask there is why would a person who doesn't love give their body to be burned? Well, it's because we get all kinds of things mixed up with love. So I I can be this great sacrificial parent and just, you know, uh, just be so kind and, and, and love seem seemingly loving and caring. And I sacrifice all these things for you, but it's really because I want you to do something for me. I want you to boost my ego. I want you to make me look good in front of other people. 
Think of all the stage mothers and stage fathers out there who sacrifice their time, their energy, their money just to make their little child perform well. And um, they're doing all that so that the child will grow up to be this great star and it'll make the mom or the dad look really great because look what you created. You created this great star. That's not love. That's control. And we get love mixed up with control a lot. So, you know, if we can, we can sacrifice. I see spouses do this all the time. You know, I see people move to another city. They agree to move to another city with their spouse. And they say, well, now it's my turn. You know, now you owe me. I moved to another city for you because you wanted to, and now you owe me. And what they're really saying is, I sacrificed so much. Wasn't I a good person? Wasn't I a loving person? And now you owe me. Obviously, that's not a sacrifice. It's a trade. A trade is, I, I'll give you this and you give me that. We'll trade. But most of the time, what they forgot to do was tell their partner that they were, they were involved in this trade. They forgot to tell their partner that this was a trade. And so the partner has no knowledge that there's, that there's a string attached. And so one day, two or three years later, the, the other partner comes up and says, okay, now you owe me. It's my turn. I want to move to another city now. Or I want to have this particular kind of job that you don't want me to take. Or I want to have this kind of money that you, we don't have or whatever. Uh, this is my turn. This is you paying me back for the sacrifice I made for you. Well, if it's a genuine sacrifice, which I have uh, doubts about that word anyway, if it's a genuine sacrifice, it wouldn't want to be paid back. So that's not love. A real, uh, uh, if there is anything, such thing as a real sacrifice, it's just love. It's not a sacrifice. It's just love. If I dive into a lake and to save some children from a car that just came over a bridge and fell into the lake, if I do that and, I, and, I'm, and I'm just thinking about those kids and how I can save them, that's a loving act. I'm not thinking about getting paid back. I'm not thinking about, you know, whether or not I die in the process. I'm not thinking about anything except those kids. That's love. That's genuine love. And if I save their lives, that's great. If I, if I end up dying myself, well, I've died loving someone. But people call that a sacrifice. They say they sacrifice their life. I call that love. And so, you know, we, we get those things mixed up. We also get all bogged down in these definitions of love, that love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, it doesn't brag, it's not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly, it doesn't seek its own, it's not provoked, it's not, not easily provoked, it's not taken to er- uh, account a wrong suffered. We get all that stuff mixed up. We start thinking, this is the kind of way I should love. Well, here's the deal. The minute you put should in front of the word love, it ceases to be love and becomes ought to, should, duty, obligation. It's no longer love. Love and obligation are oxymorons. They don't belong in the same sentence. So when we're, when we're talking about what love is, this is the kind of way we are loved by the divine. The divine is patient with us, the divine is kind, the divine is not jealous, the divine does not brag, the divine is not arrogant, the divine does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, 
it's not easily provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered. That's the way we are loved. And if we do love that way, it doesn't mean that we should tolerate people's um, inappropriate abusive behavior to our own demise. Because remember, if you're familiar with the Christian Bible at all, Jesus' commandment was that we love others as ourselves. He did not leave us out of the equation. There's a lot of confusion about that, too, out there. Um, the, the idea that love is something that we should should do, and, and love is always putting up with stuff because that's the way you love. You don't take into account a wrong suffered. What that means to, to um, a lot of people is that we should just keep putting up with abuse. We should just forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive and continue to put up with it. But that's not love because the very next sentence says, love does not rejoice in, in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It isn't the truth to, to, that we should tolerate other people's bad behavior. It isn't the truth that we should say, um, it's okay for you to continue to treat me this way because I'm going to be loving and always good and kind and, lo- and patient with you. That is not what this is talking about. So we get real confused about that. It would be a more loving act to a partner who's abusive to say to that partner, this is abuse. I'm calling it abuse because that's what it is. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to continue to call it abuse and I will not tolerate it any further. And Therefore, you might leave at that point. You might stay and see if it goes on again. You might demand that the person go to therapy. You might have all kinds of boundaries that you put up. But whatever the case, it isn't tolerating abuse because that means you're rejoicing in unrighteousness, not in the truth. Because it isn't, quote unquote, righteous to abuse another person. And if you put up with it, you're encouraging them to continue to do it. So, there are many, uh, I hear it a lot, uh, here in the Bible Belt where I live, uh, that a person should you know, stay with an abusive spouse because divorce is more wrong than, than abuse. And that kind of thinking is just so distorted. And so th- this talk about love means that we got to get clear on what love is and what isn't, what it isn't. That's why we're talking about it today, because we have a lot of confusion about it. We also say that when, you know, we, I also hear people quite often say, well, I know she loves me, but she, you know, she just doesn't treat me very good. My question would always be, well, how do you know she loves you then? If she doesn't treat you well, if it doesn't look like love, maybe it's not really love. And we're going to talk about some more about that in just a few minutes right after this break. Stay right here. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you have executive function challenges? Actually, these are a lot more common than you would think. These challenges include time management issues, organization, planning, focusing, memory and problem solving, 
If this sounds like you, you'll want to check out Focus on Success. With Fozzie Acosti, you'll hear from professionals that offer advice based on their expertise and provide solutions to improve your life. Focus on Success can be heard Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel with a replay of the show Sunday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Life can be confusing at times. There can be uncertainty, disappointment, and an inability to clearly see where you're headed. But it doesn't have to be this way at all if you understand how to take the next step in your life. Tune in to Living the Miracle with your hosts, Michael and Raphael Tamora. We'll help you to find the deeper meaning that awaits you in your life, have certainty in yourself, and learn to be clairvoyant. Listen Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Empowerment. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about love, sweet love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. Not ju- no, not just for some, but for everyone. So uh, what we've been talking about is a little bit about relationship, because that's, I know, the first thing that we think about when we think about love is we think about falling in love with someone. Um, and what we've been saying is that we've got a, some confusing ideas about what love is and what well, love isn't. And so we're trying to resolve some of that now. Uh what I said just before the break was that sometimes we say, well, I know she loves me, but um, she doesn't treat me very nice or he doesn't treat me very nice. And what that means is that we're, we're, we're looking at and saying how, you know, that, that, that there's some kind of magical, mystical mystery here about love because it doesn't look like love. It doesn't act like love, but it must be love because I want it to be. Um, when I ask people that question, how do you know it's love? If, if they don't ever treat you right, how do you know it's love? Well, you know, she says she loves me all the time. Um, and, and I just believe her. And that's all we got, words. Words are pretty empty compared to action. And so if a person's not acting loving, don't assume it's love. Love looks like love. That's just something Oprah says and my Angelou used to say. Love looks like love, and it's really, it really does. Love looks like love. If it doesn't look like love, it's not love. And what I say is that love is always unconditional. Now, here's what unconditional doesn't mean. Unconditional mean, un- doesn't mean that you 
that you tolerate the intolerable and accept the unconditional, uh, the un- unacceptable, and say, "Oh, this uh, that's unconditional love." That's not that's not rejoicing in the truth. That's rejoicing in a lie. What what unconditional love means is that is that I love you for you. I don't love you because I can control you. I don't love you because I can get you to do what I want you to do. I don't love you because you have a lot of money. I don't love you because um, you're you're somebody who's meek and mild and 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 doesn't ever talk back. And um, I don't love you because anything. I just love you just because you're you. Period. End of subject. And I gotta say that if there, if if we're gonna talk about parenting, we have to talk about that. If we talk about love, then we have to say that the primary beginning of unconditional love is from the is from the parent to the child. But so often, so very often, unfortunately, it does not happen that way. Parents don't love their children unconditionally. They love their children very conditionally. That's why we see so many gay children kicked out of their homes when they're 14, 15 years old and have no place to go because parents say, you have to meet my conditions or I don't want you. That is not love. It doesn't look like love. It doesn't talk like love. It doesn't act like love. That's not love. It's, con- it's a conditional relationship based on power, not love. And so, you know, when we, when we talk about unconditional love, what it means is you get to be you here. You're good to be totally you here. It's safe to be you here. I'm not going to criticize you for being you. I'm not going to try to change you into somebody else. I'm not going to try to control you and try to, to try to abuse you because you're you. I'm just going to be with you because you're you. And I enjoy your company just like that. Period. End of subject. So uh, that's what unconditional love is. Anything less than that, in my belief, is not really, can't really be called love. Now, again, I say there's a lot of people out there who will say, well, they love me, but, and I will say that's not really love because it's not unconditional. If it's unconditional, it's love. If it's conditional, it's not love. I want to make that real clear. Um, So when people talk about there being a lot of different kinds of love, what they really mean is there's the different kinds of relationship. There's not a different kind of love. There's a different kind of relationship. Because you, you might love your best friend very, very deeply. You might love your best friend. But, uh, and that's a kind of relationship. It's still love. It's not going to be sexual because it's not a relationship of that type. But it is love. You can love your, your, your parents. And you love your children. Um, and that's a different relationship. But it's not a different love. Um, so people get that mixed up too. They say there's there's several different kinds of love. I disagree with that. You may continue to think there's different kinds of love. If you choose to, of course, you you get to decide whether or not you agree with anything I'm saying today. But um, if it's unconditional, it's love. And if it's not unconditional, it's not love. That's what I believe. So uh, in relationship, what that means is you get involved with somebody and you, you settle into that relationship for a little while and you realize that you're not really allowed to be yourself in that relationship. That every time you put yourself out there, it gets criticized or put down or mocked or ridiculed or even abused. And But you keep telling yourself, this is love because it, we have this great sex and we have this great chemistry and we have this 
you know, he's so good looking or she's so good looking. And and I need them. I need them in my life because I'm so lonely and I just don't want to be alone. So I have to have them in my life. So I just keep tolerating this stuff and calling it love. That's delusion. That's not love. That's not love. It's delusion. So we're telling ourselves things that are not really true. So we have to be really careful in that primary relationship. This is the one we get to choose. We don't get to choose our parents. Mm-hmm. We don't get to choose our siblings. Um, but we do get to choose our primary significant other. And that is, that, that's something we need to be careful about. Are you choosing out of old patterns of unresolved issues and repeating the same kind of issue over and over again? Are you constantly attracted to narcissists? Are you constantly attracted to people who aren't very loving? Are you constantly attracted to abusive people? Are you constantly attracted to people who criticize you and try to get you to be something you're not? If that's true, that's a pattern. It doesn't mean you're not lovable. It does not mean you're not lovable. It means that you've got a pattern of being attracted to someone who has the same old unresolved issues that you've always had in your life since you were a child. And if you can un- uncover those issues and begin to disclose them to yourself, then you can, then you can put that pattern to rest and become attracted to a different type of person who, who wants you to be an authentic self, who not only allows it but encourages it, and who really enjoys your company just because you're you. Yes, it is possible to get past the patterns of our lives if you do the work. And the work means looking at that, grieving that old stuff, and recognizing this very primary issue. It means recognizing that if my parents were not loving to me, it had nothing, hear me, nothing to do with me. My parents were not, not, not loving because I'm unlovable. My parents were not loving because they don't know how to love. Period. End of subject. Your lovability is not in somebody else's hands. It belongs 100% to you. Just like you're worthy because you're here, you're lovable because you're here. You know, we don't look at a tree and say, that tree's not worthy. We don't look at birds and say, those birds are not worthy. We only do that to humans. We only do that to ourselves. And the reason we do it to ourselves is because we've developed this dualistic system of good and bad where we judge everything as either good or bad. And that's for a whole other show. I'm not going to go into any more depth about that. But but I will say that that's why we do it. We divide everything up in life into good or bad. We judge everything accordingly. And trees are not judging each other. I read a, a, a Zen passage this morning that said my religion is just, uh, is just like that tree's religion. I love that because it's so very true. We just, we, the tree is just a symbol of, let's uh, say a tree is more, much more than just a symbol, but a tree is also a symbol of, of uh, you know, that kind of stillness. We can just sit and wait on the Lord. And, uh, you know, not be, not be concerned about the weather. Just sit and wait. There's a stillness that we can have in us that's very, very much like that tree's stillness. And, um, and it puts us in touch with unconditional love. That stillness does. 
We have that. We all have a capacity to love others unconditionally. We have a capacity to love ourselves unconditionally. We've pushed that away, however, because of judgment. We push that away because we judge ourselves harshly. We say terrible things to ourselves all the time. We call ourselves stupid and fat and ugly. We would never say those things to other people. You know, uh, I have uh, people come into my office and say, well, you're going to find out that I'm a regular uh, asshole. You're going to find that out. And, and you know, that's how they say that's the energy I've got. That's just what I am. You're just going to have to get used to it. And, of course, I don't think of them that way at all. That's their self-judgment. And so it's important for us to understand that, uh, that, that our judgment keeps us from unconditional love. On the other hand, our discernment is very, very important. Our discernment can help us to understand what's really going on between us and another person and help us make decisions about where we want to put our boundaries to take care of ourselves. Why? Because we love ourselves unconditionally along with loving other people unconditionally. I can tell you the truth about how I feel about your behavior, and that is a loving act. We're so afraid that that's not very very loving. We've been so taught that it's not very loving to tell somebody the truth about how they make you feel. But I say it's one of the most loving things we can ever do to another person and to ourselves simultaneously. When I tell you that when you uh, criticize me, it makes me feel small and insignificant and unworthy and I, I, I absorb that stuff and even though I know somewhere on some level it's not really true I still absorb it and I, I need you to stop saying that stuff around me because it makes me feel so inadequate that's the truth now I've just not only said to you how I'm going to take care of myself because I'm going to start drawing boundaries if you start talking to me that way anymore either I'm going to have to stop being around you as much or I'm going to have to end this relationship one or the other and I can tell you that and mean it and follow through on it. And that is the most loving thing I can do for you because the truth is what you need to hear in order for you to do your work. And sometimes we're just a mirror for each other. And that's one of the most blessed things we can do for each other is to mirror each other. So, uh, so in relationship, it's really important. To a primary relationship, it's very, very important for us to be able to say the truth and be ourselves 100% in that relationship. If we can't do that, it's not love. You can call it love all you want till you're blue in the face, but it will still not be love. Okay, let's talk a little bit about politics. Let's take it, make it stretch way out there. When we talk about equality, we talk about Black Lives Matter, when we talk about Asian lives matter and uh, indigenous people's lives matter and uh, you know people of all races and ethnicities matter, we talk about immigrants being able to stay here in America and become citizens. When we talk about that, what we're doing is loving. When we say, no, those immigrants are bad people and they can't come into our country, and we say that, that uh, you know, black people are less than, or, or white people should have more privilege than, when we say uh, that uh, Asian people are less than or should have less privileges, when we do that stuff with our behavior, cutting people out of housing or jobs or money or time or energy, what we're saying is we don't love. There's no love there. 
And we can't call ourselves good Christians while simultaneously saying that black people shouldn't be allowed to do so-and-so or that, that white people should be allowed to have more privilege or that uh, the immigrants shouldn't be allowed to be citizens of the United States, even though all of us here, except the indigenous races, are immigrants. Everyone, I'm an immigrant. I came from Ireland. My family came from Ireland and suffered through whatever they had to suffer through to get me here. And here I am. Thank you very much for, for doing that. But, you know, if, if, if I said that you, you're not allowed to be here because you're an immigrant, I'd be lying to myself. And what does love do? Love rejoices in the truth. It rejoices in the truth. So when we talk about equality among races and among genders, when we talk about equality for the LGBTQ plus population, what we're saying is these people are allowed to be themselves. What does that mean? That means we love them unconditionally. We can't call ourselves good Christians, good Muslims, good, you know, uh, Buddhists, good anything, and say that these people shouldn't have rights to marry and to be the gender they choose and to, you know, uh, be themselves in whatever way that is. As long as it's not harming other people. Now, uh, now here's what I'm not saying. I want to be clear about that. I'm not saying that a murderer or a serial killer, let's just make it really bad, uh, a serial killer should be allowed to get away with continuing to murder people because that's unconditional love. I'm not saying that. The truth is what love rejoices in. The truth is that serial killers and murderers and people who steal from other people should not be allowed into the public arena because they're dangerous. So they should be put in, in a place where they can't harm other people anymore. And that, and that right now currently is jail. Um, but what I, I'm not, I'm, I am saying is that a person who marries a person of the same sex used to be put in jail. They used to put gay people in jail. Now we can't do that anymore because, uh, because the law is against it. But until we change the laws completely and continue to change the laws completely, um, LGBTQ plus people don't have the same rights. They, they, the Supreme Court just recently ruled that they could not be fired just for being gay. So that's love. What that means is we allow you to be you. We're allowing you to be you because you are you and that is your worth. You came here to be 100% you. And if I tell you to stop being you, I'm what I'm not only doing is I'm not loving you. And I'm also saying that maybe the divine made a mistake in, in creating you. Maybe you're not really supposed to be here. Um, there are people in the Nazi party and the white nationalist party who believe that if you kill a black person, it's not really a murder because they're not really people. That is outrageous. It's outrageous. That's the truth. And the truth, uh, love rejoices in the truth. So we're going to talk some more about unconditional love right after the break. Stay tuned for more. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
on Read My Lips Radio, producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, invites you to eavesdrop on her live, unscripted conversations with smart, savvy, creative people as she discovers what makes them tick, where they find their inspiration, when creativity first became their passion, and how their creative process can inspire the rest of us to think out of the box. Enjoy, a.k.a. Radio Red's always lively, cool conversations with creatives. Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Oh, how those lips can talk. Tune in to The James Dentley Show and learn strategies for success in business and in life. Dr. James Dentley is a proven success coach who knows how to convert good into great. You'll find out from the achievers and leaders how they got to be the success stories that they are. And Dr. Dentley and his guests will give you the tools you need to follow in their footsteps. It's time to become the best version of you. Listen to The James Dentley Show, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Empowerment. Many people don't like to talk about death, but like it or not, it's going to happen to you, me, your loved ones, and everyone. It's best to ask the important questions sooner than later. That's where inspiring end-of-life conversations with host Nina Impala can help. We cover all of the important questions, including aging loved ones, cancer, losing a child, hospice, pets, and messages left by our loved ones. Tune in Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now toll-free, 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for the last segment of our show on Love, Sweet Love. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. And at the same time, love is all there is. So let's talk about that love is all there is. Is love really all there is? Because there's a whole lot of hate out there, right? There's a whole lot of bias and bigotry and hatred. And we just saw the Capitol overrun by a lot of white nationalists who are white supremacists who who, uh, you know, wanted to kill Nancy Pelosi and hang uh, our vice president, our current our vice president back then, Pence. And, uh, you know, they wanted to overrun the Capitol, leaving feces on the walls and urine on the hall floors, uh, uh, destroying public material that they shouldn't have had their hands on. Uh, I mean, excuse me, private material. You know, and they would have said they were right to do that. But according to one of the texts that, that so many people in America believe in, the Christian Bible, uh, the only true law is to love, our, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. So if that's the only true law, then, you know, what's really going on here? 
when they say we're right to do this, this is right, we are, we're, we're doing the right thing, but it's not the loving thing, so how can it be the right thing? If the only law really is love, how can it be the right thing? Well, okay. If love is really all there is, then what everything finally comes down to is love. That means that even in the worst circumstances, I'm still being loved by the divine for it is giving me a gift. I look back on some of the really hard experiences of my life and I see how they shaped me. I see how they made me who I am today. And, I, and I'm grateful to the awful people that I knew back then who really helped me come to terms with who I am and helped me become that. Helped me become that person. And uh, that's love. There's another passage, and I don't know, remember where it is in the Christian Bible also, that says, uh, all things work for good. And that's love. So if, even if I can take the most awful event and turn it into a gift, that's love. That's love. And um, so that means everything finally does come down to love. Love then really is all there is. All the suffering in the world will somehow give us some kind of gift. I say that with great trepidation because I know that lots of people out there are going to hear, well, that means God's in charge of everything. And that means that, you know, there's, there's a destiny and, and that, you know, God must have some kind of evil intent to make people suffer this much just to learn their lessons. That's not at all what I mean. What I mean is even though we cause our own suffering, even though our blindness makes us run into other people, even though because I'm blind to the fact that I'm going to be taken care of by the divine, I think I have to steal money from you or kill you, even though that's true, I can get a gift out of the things that happen to me. We can see terrible things happen. We see, we've seen um, children killed or murdered in terrible ways, and yet their parents become these amazing crusaders for for. Uh, changing the laws or uh, implementing laws that come into place that help us to protect children further um, or become TV uh, show hosts where they search out for murderers. Um, we, we see this kind of thing all the time. Things can turn into good even though they're really, really, really bad. So that's how love comes. That's how love is everything. That's how it all comes down to love. That's how it's all there, that love is finally all there is. When all the dust is blown away, the gift is still there. That's the love. So how do we implement it? How do we implement this kind of love that's talked about in the Christian Bible in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13? How do we implement it? We begin by loving the self. And that's just the opposite of what we've been taught. <clears throat> we've been taught to believe that we should love other people more than ourselves that we should put other people before ourselves. We hear that all the time. Put others first, put others first, put others first. Well, here's the deal. There is no such thing as first or second or third. There's just the human heart. There's no first. There's no way for me to absent myself while I'm doing something for you. I'm getting something from that all the time. If I give you a loving gift, I'm giving myself a loving gift at the same time. That's why Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, because there's no way to separate self from neighbor. Number one, we're all one. Number two, 
if I give something to you, I'm also getting something from it. So there's no first. Forget about putting other people first. That doesn't, it's not realistic. It doesn't, can't happen. It can't happen. But it's also true that, you know, say you can't put yourself first either. I'm not, I'm not advocating for that either because, again, there is no first. What I am saying is that you can learn to love yourself. You can learn to appreciate yourself and take really good, loving, nurturing care of yourself. And if you do that, if you do that work of learning to love yourself, then you will love other people naturally. You will give to other people from your truest desires to give, not from shoulds, have tos, and ought tos. You won't be obligated to serve other people and then resenting the fact that you have to serve other people. You won't be doing that anymore. You'll be doing what's true inside of you to do. That's why this chapter says love rejoices in truth. Because if you're not doing what's true inside you, you know, what are you doing? You're, you're plastic. You're, not pl- you're playing a game. You're, you're, not really, you're not really acting. You're just performing. So learning to love yourself, what is that like? Well, it starts with paying attention to what you really truly desire and what's interesting to you and what, what motivates you. Um, if you find yourself putting your time and energy into a project that's kind of dull and uninteresting, you're probably not going to be very motivated to do it. Uh, and you're probably going to have to argue yourself into it every day to get up and go do that thing that you really hate doing, but you got to keep doing it. That's not loving yourself. If you say, well, I'm going to go do this project instead because this project really intrigues me and it interests me and it creates real passion and I feel really creative in this endeavor, that's loving yourself. Um, and if you, so that's a way of loving yourself. Another one is to pay attention to your desires, to uh, what is it that I really want to do right now in this moment? Um, is it uh, sit and meditate? Is it taking a walk? Is it doing my project? Is it working on the things that I work on at work that I enjoy, the tasks that I enjoy? What is it that I really want to do right now? People go to work every day and they say, I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to get these 25 things done today. And then they don't get those things done, and then they're disappointed at the end of every day in themselves. And they criticize themselves for not completing that list. Well, first, the list was too long. Should have made it a lot shorter. So that's the first thing. I say don't put anything more than 10 things on your list, and they should be things that are short in duration. If they're not, then you need a shorter list even than 10. So um, start off not with the things you have to do and hate first, but with the things you love first. Do the things you love first in your day. And you'll start off your day with a lot of motivation, a lot of passion, a lot of interest, a lot of enthusiasm, and you'll get your energy going. And then you'll have energy left over to do those things you don't like as much. And if you just really can't be motivated to do those things still that you don't like as much, perhaps you can delegate. Perhaps you can ask somebody else to do those things instead of you doing those things. And maybe you can trade with somebody. Maybe they're doing something that you really would like to do, but they're, you're doing something they would really like to do. Maybe you can trade with people. I think we can live out of our enthusiasms. I think we can live out of our desires. I think that's possible to do. We haven't been raised in a world that's taught us that. We've been raised in a world that's taught us that we shouldn't be living. We shouldn't be doing what we want to do. Our wants should go on the back burner because our wants make us selfish people. But here's the thing. If I am selfless, I don't have a self. 
Think about that a minute. If I am selfless, I don't have a self. And if I don't have a self, then I've, I've just said to the divine, the creator, whatever you, universe, the whatever you want to call that, I've just said to that, what you did doesn't count. It's immaterial. I'm going to throw that away. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to be pretend to be something else other than who I really am. And that's not loving to the self. That's not understanding your self-worth. Worthiness comes from the fact that I'm created to be here. I'm here, and that makes me worthy. That's enough to start me off on desire. I get to do my desires. Why? Because that's a part of who I am. My desires are, are come from my deepest essence. Now, I'm not talking about compulsions, you know, those things that we do because we think we have to, like I'm, I need another drink, and so let me have another drink, and I'm an alcoholic. That's a compulsion. I'm not talking about ego aggrandizement that says I want to be the CEO of a company so that I can be powerful and bigger than other people. That's not desire. That's ego aggrandizement. And I'm not talking about uh, compensation, where I become the CEO of a company so that I can overcome my shameful childhood. Childhood. No, that's just compensation. That's not desire. I'm talking about the things you long for, the things that create passion inside you, the things that you really love to do, the things that are interesting and intriguing, intriguing to you, the things that give you um, a passion and enthusiasm to keep going. Those are the things I'm talking about. Those are desires. And we get to fulfill those. So I say, every one of you who are listening today, take two hours this Saturday or your next off day and do nothing but what you want to do and see how that feels. And the first thing you're going to discover is that we often don't know what we want to do. It's hard for us to discover what we want to do. So you, once you encounter that, you can say, okay, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to just see if this is what I want to do. If I want to do it, I'll like doing it. If I don't want to do it, I won't like doing it. And I can stop anytime I want. Um, take, take that time and, and spend a couple of hours just doing what you want to do and see how it makes you feel at the end of that two hours. And do it every time you have an off day. Take two hours, take two hours, take two hours until you get used to the idea that you are allowed to fulfill your own desires. That's self-love. And what that makes you understand is that other people should be allowed to fulfill their desires too. And we can find a way to work together where everyone gets to fulfill their own desires. But we have not been taught to trust that. We've been taught to believe that that we have to put shoulds and ought tos and obligations and laws and rules into place because if they if they if I if I put those laws in place, then I can control humanity. And we don't have to count on the human heart to be worthy enough to get us to work to the goal. But if we don't start counting on the human heart that, to love, to love the world and each other and ourselves unconditionally, we're not going to make it to the goal. If the goal is world peace, if the goal is a planet where we can love each other and take good care of the planet, we're not going to make it to that unless we can be true to ourselves first and then give that to other people. So in, in order to, to fulfill that, what we have to do is really do the work of fulfilling ourselves. And like I said, it starts with paying attention to what you're interested in and then your desires. And then it take, comes down to self-soothing, self-understanding, self-empathy, so that you look at what's, what you can look back on your life and say, I made this mistake or that mistake, 
But you look at it and you try to find the gift in the mistake. You try to find how, how you grew because of that mistake. You try to find out what's, what, what was your motivation to make that mistake. You try to understand, like you might with another person. What, you, you, you might try to understand why another person made their mistake. You might understand their mistake, but it's harder for you to understand your own. But you look back at your mistakes and you say, I know why I made that mistake, and I know what I got from it. I got the gift from it. And every mistake has a gift, just like every problem has a gift in it as well. There's a gift in everything. That's why it always comes down to love. That's why love is all there is. So yes, the world does need love. It needs all the love we can give, and it needs it really badly. It always has needed it really badly, and it reads it really, really badly right now. But it also, we also need to understand that everything comes down to love. There's a gift in everything. We just have to find it. And that's all our show today. We'll be back again next week. And remember, till then, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll talk again next week 